1: Welcome to episode 175 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I'm so excited to introduce you to Tammy, Abby's mom. So Tammy has been listening to the podcast now for two and a half years and has been thinking about sharing her story for much of that time, but finally decided that this is the right time to share Abby her little sparkly Abby with all of us. So I know that you will enjoy listening to hearing about Abby and what an amazing girl she was. Just so full of life. She had a sparkle that lives on now with her in the Abby's Sparkle Foundation. So I know you'll want to learn more about that. I also just want to remind you that if you would like to share your story your child's story, please feel free to email me at Marcy at AndysMom.com. I just love to share these stories and it was really neat to be able to hear from Tammy who's been a listener for such a long time. I also want to talk about the upcoming live stream again that I'm going to be doing with Gwen. So that will be on Tuesday, January 31st at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And that one is going to be our Groundhog Day episode. So the release of the podcast day will be that Thursday, which is Groundhog Day. And I felt like what would be fitting is to talk about how every day in your grief can feel really the same. And it feels like you're not making any progress, even whenever so slowly things are changing. So it kind of reminded me of the movie Groundhog Day, how everything seems the same. But then ever so slowly, he really did start to make some changes. And by the end of the movie, the Groundhog Day looked quite different than it had in the beginning. We're also going to take this opportunity to talk about little Messages of Hope. We have done Messages of Hope episodes really, I think every year, right at Christmas time. And I just didn't do that this year. I am not sure why, but we didn't. So I want to give people a chance to send in little stories, little messages of hope, maybe messages that you feel like are from God or from your child, kind of helping you through. Uh, There's a really great one in this episode, if you listen all the way to the end. So make sure that you do that, because I loved that one. But feel free to email me at com, or if you want to just come on the live stream and tell the little story then, that's really great as well. So I hope that all of you tune in for that, but right now I want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Tammy, Abby's mom. <music> Much Tammy for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a long time that I've been meaning to do this.
1: Oh, that's just beautiful. And if um, we have a little bit of connection problems, I do want to explain to the audience that you are coming to us from Scotland,
0: and yes. the internet
1: wasn't working great today, so you're on four G, no. so there might yeah. be a little bit of technical trouble. Um, so we're just going to yeah, apologize for that, that ahead of time. But yeah. I just am excited to learn so much about Abby. What you've written to me is so cool and exciting. And I just am excited to talk to you about her in person.
2: Great. Uh, right. So Abby um, is my youngest child. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a, a big brother, Cameron, and he's three years older than her. She was a very quiet baby, not like Cameron. He had colic, but uh, she was a very easy baby. When she got to about three... She realised if she used her voice, she could get what she wanted. So she became the boss then. <laughs> so she was very much the boss of and um, But she adored her big brother. Yeah, school probably wasn't her favourite. She wasn't the most confident at school. Um, but she did some sports there, cross country and badminton. She had her best friend Emma. So as long as she had Emma with her, she, she yeah. was good. She had quite expensive taste, like her dad. Um, she liked unusual sort of quality foods from a from a young age she would ask for very rare steak or seafood and lobster a good example of this is she loved to go for a teppanyaki meal you know a Japanese meal where they cook it in front of you Oh, okay yeah and this is quite an expensive thing to go out and do because you sit around the table and they have the fire and they cook all the the meal in front of you um so we had that set meal bought but she said she would have lobster on the side so that was kind of (laughs) Abby (laughs) okay she we were saying she she loved America she loved um, London and she loved Florida and going to Disneyland Um, she obviously spent quite a lot of time with me uh, in adult conversation and I listened to the radio all the time so she would listen to the news so she was quite interested in American politics Uh, I'm politics yeah I'm politics here so we're talking about age 13 so we would talk about that and so she had a big goal and her goal was to be as she called it prime minister of the United States oh I see (laughs) (laughs) and to maybe at the time maybe meet Obama okay yeah so she she was interested in in things sort of beyond her years. she would even stay up late to see you know the polls come in and stay up to three in the morning and She had a great sense of humour too. She loved to scare her brother. Obviously, she was at home with me quite a bit, so she'd wait for him to come home from school and hide in his wardrobe and jump out on him. (laughs) Um, She she had the best wee giggle, and, and people say they miss that. They miss hearing her laugh. She loved designing too. She had spent, again, a lot of time at home, so she had the Sims game, and she liked building houses and creating families and giving them the fashion... So I always thought she'd be sort of into design. She also loved the movie um, Legally Blonde. So she fancied herself as a lawyer as well. So she had, um, yeah, lots of big ideas. Very, very classy. She could just throw on anything and, and look amazing, which she didn't get from me. But she might have got it from her nana because they were both Librins and everything would match earrings, shoes, the clothes. Uh she always spent time being absolutely immaculate. Her hair, makeup, uh but even without her makeup, she's a, my beautiful wee princess. Oh. She's Cinderella and I was um Beauty and the Beast. Fell <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> oh, uh, awesome. Yeah she loved things like going to London to go to Tiffany's and she got diamonds and she loved Louis Vuitton now without the whole story you'd think for a 13 14 year old but because of her diagnosis she was able to get treated to these things so you know when you can't have a normal life you you, she was able to get treated to these special things so yeah that's Abby my girl
1: oh what a sweetheart so, do you want to talk yeah. a little bit now about her diagnosis and what happened with that? Yeah.
2: So she was ten. She was actually at a sports day, and across the the, the ground, I, I could see a lump in her neck. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was that. That's how I saw it. Which you think, well, why? How couldn't you see that when you're close up with long hair? so when I when I got her home I had a look and I don't know how to be honest I don't know how long she if she knew she had it but we ended up going to the doctors and getting bloods done everything looked normal scan said it was a thyroid cyst Mm -hmm. and then she went to theater to get this thyroid cyst out and it was a long operation I'm a nurse so I knew something wasn't quite right and obviously a couple of weeks later we got the diagnosis it was synovial sarcoma I was saying it's a shock to the whole family and to her, life-changing. I said, yourself as a paediatrician knows what that's like for diagnosis for a family. Yeah, just devastating. Torturous, really, as a a mother to go through that treatment with your child. She had three operations. Um, She had her six months of chemo, which would be the standard, and radiotherapy. And we got three months of thinking, maybe you're in remission, and then she relapsed. So that was another operation, another six months of treatment. And basically, she had another operation after that. She was, she was never free of it from then. And she was in treatment for the rest of her life, which was four years and four months.
1: That's a long time.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you just, you know, a bit like what we're doing now with our grief, you take one day at a time, you just have to. Yeah. You can't think too far ahead. And you have to make the most of every day. Uh, and that's what she did she was amazing she did her treatment with dignity you know knowing how we feel in grief and how difficult it is dealing with a day I think about how she dealt with her diagnosis and I'm you know I'm pretty sure she googled stuff and she felt it was never going to go away so but she lived with that and she got up and she wanted to go to school when she could she spent as much time as possible with her best friend Emma she found cheerleading, another American thing that she loved. Yeah. She said to me, I live for cheerleading. Really? So she said, mm-hmm. Yeah, she said it got me out of my bed. She, as I say, she didn't like sort of individual um, sports, but she liked team, team things so she yeah. could fit in with the team so the attention wasn't all in her. She loved the makeup, the dancing, the glamour, the competing. And she actually said, um, cheerleading brings out my inner sparkle. Oh. So uh, we were so, so happy with the local cheerleading squad, CD and um, what they were able to do for Abby and to give her that, um, yeah. that she had something to be able to focus on and leave the house and do her treatment at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in her last year, she competed three competitions. She was the flyer. She got th- thrown up in the air. She was actually dropped. She was dropped in practice. And they came second in the first competition and they won the next two. And uh, obviously the coaches had to know about Abby being in treatment. And they went to the practice area and said, where's this girl? And they were saying, "Where's her. What? You know, nobody could believe it. Nobody could believe it. Even the doctor said, you know, she was inspirational. It was amazing what she was able to do. They learned so much from her. She was at cheerleading till three weeks before she very sadly passed away. Um, wow. On Christmas Day, yes, she was still going to cheerleading. And then three weeks later, Christmas Day 2017, she sadly passed away on her favourite day of the year, the sparkliest day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Christmas Day, wow. That's funny yeah. that you call that. I mean, in some ways, I. Being her favorite day of the year, that's probably a day that she really
2: wanted to get to, right? Yes, yeah, we we see that. We feel she chose that day to go. <laughs> she wanted yeah. people to always remember her every Christmas. Abby's day, Abby's day. It'd be a typical Abby thing. It's Abby's day. Yeah, th- that does make it Yeah, amazing, amazing. I, Hard
1: though, I mean, I've had other people write to me whose children have died on Christmas, and it's really, really challenging for them to be able to, yeah, you know, then do Christmas anymore after that.
2: Absolutely, because it was Abby's favorite, and because she loved decorating, like Andy, yeah. um, we left we left the tree up. I know some people once they lose a child, they can't put a tree up, or I don't know if somebody would want to take the tree down. I mean, it's so individual isn't it everybody you don't know you just don't know until it happens so we left the tree up and we left the ornaments that Abby had put on the tree and then um her brother Cameron wrote something Abby obviously left wishes and we'll get to all of that but and one of the wishes she wanted to know was great about her and she felt this was going to be some sort of headstone and things would be written on but we we didn't go down that route so Cameron put all these words we asked everybody give us one word about Abby and they, they told us all these words about, about our amazing Abby and we, Cameron wrote them onto wee white hearts and I uh-huh. put um, silver sparkly string on it and we hung them on the tree so all her words are on these hearts on the tree and we have it in a picture as well in a heart so she got all her words about how great she is on oh the tree and yeah and that's how it is decorated now and it just stayed up like that Uh, I've even tried to dust it it's still up it's never been taken down so I don't have to put my Christmas tree up and down I just leave it up
1: (laughs) wow well you definitely have an artificial tree don't you You yes I do (laughs)
2: no No. yeah so Obviously, Cameron's three years older, so Abby will be 21 this year. Uh, He'll be 24. So he he lives in England. Uh, He's a a triathlete, a British triathlete, actually. Wow. Um, Yeah, so with one child doing cancer treatment and the other child training all the time uh, to then go and compete. And he was in the Commonwealth Games, actually, uh, last year. So he's he's at that level. Abby would say, don't speak too much about my brother. But anyway, um, you know, coming to Christmas, you think, right, what are you going to do? Um, so we own our Abbey and we light our candles. We still open some presents. I've never gone anywhere or done anything. Uh, sometimes Cameron and his dad have gone to my parents um, or he's gone to his girlfriends. So this year, my dad's uh, 92 coming up this month. So... I said, I think we should go and see Nana and Granddad. And uh, yeah. so I did. I went on Christmas Day and I managed to go and see them. So my mum and dad really appreciated that. And Carmen wanted to do something. So it's, it's really difficult that sometimes you just have to do things when the time feels right.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it is that you have to wait until the time feels right. Yeah, for you.
2: absolutely. Uh, you can't decide ahead.
1: no. No. Not like way ahead, knowing that, okay, this year I will do this, but next year I'll do that. You have no idea what you're going to be able to do next year.
2: No, no, that's right. Even on the day, isn't it? You know, um, it's one of the things about bereaved parents, you can, you have to say people, you know, your friends have to expect you to say no, maybe even after you've said yes, actually on that day, isn't it? Because you might not feel like it that day. It might have sounded like a good idea and then it just wasn't. Uh, and I thought this is going to be really really tough because I just don't really like to leave the house and obviously I don't feel like celebrating it's got to be you know honoring Abby but Carmen would say well Abby loved Christmas day she loved going to Nana's so let's do that so I I managed to do it this year so I'm glad I did for, for him and for my parents
1: well we went up to our cottage which is where we've gone almost every year and I may have said this on the podcast recently here too but so if I'm repeating myself I'm sorry but yeah, we have been doing that because I just can't stand to be home. <laughs> I really, yeah. really don't want to be home and we had a horrible yeah. blizzard. Just oh goodness, terrible. yes. And then but we all made it up, but I was fearful that we would lose power and if we lost power we wouldn't have heat and I you know, oh, yeah. my father-in-law is like calling me and saying, you know, this is serious. I don't know why you what kind of what uh-huh. you're doing and like I said Jerry I can't be home I can't be home yes like I just can't so we are going to chance it we've we made it up you know before the snow got too bad and we are just going to sit here and if the power does go out then we will deal with that when we deal with that but like mm-hmm. I don't think they realize how emotionally it, it would be for me to try to stay home I just yes Like, I couldn't do it, and it was in my heart that I didn't have to. And so the idea of having to now do that, I I just don't know how I would have handled it. So I'm glad we made it up. I know. We did not lose power. We we were able to be there, you know, the whole time and got uh, my – went out with my foster son once, and he – totally missed the road and drove into the ditch and we had to dig him out and
2: (laughs) unfortunately we were
1: we were just down the road so I said call your dad and your brother they're gonna have to come dig us out
2: oh uh, no so we were able
1: to do that but that was like the worst thing that happened so if that's the worst thing that happened and it kept our minds busy you know yes in some ways you have to keep yourself
2: busy yeah well distracted yeah yeah
1: and this too, every year we make tamales, which is a Guatemalan tradition. We make tamales mm-hmm. with my foster son and I, and it's not always fun. I mean, it's very time consuming and it makes an entire mess of the kitchen and everything. But I don't know what I do without it, to be honest, because it yeah. keeps me so distracted and busy. And I guess every year when I ask him if he's coming home for Christmas now, I mean, now that he's moved out and owns a house, I am mm-hmm. half afraid that sometime he'll say no. And if he says oh. no, then what do I do? I mean, I'm not going to make tamales if he's not there. Oh, I
2: know. <laughs> and then
1: what do I do? I don't know what to do. So we've just got to keep this, my fingers crossed that every year he still wants to come home for Christmas, at least for a while. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and that's it you just won't know until he says no and then you have to think of something else I know
1: then I'll have because to
2: think I, of I yeah I wouldn't although last year I did think will I go to my parents last year and then I just couldn't so yeah um yeah it just and then but then maybe once you've done it once some, done something different once then it makes it easier I don't know yeah, again maybe. it's one day at a time what right. one day at a time isn't it you just yeah. don't know yeah you don't know just well, I want
1: you to talk about your healing journey after Abby died and what you've done, because you've done some pretty cool stuff.
2: <laughs> so unbeknown to us, that year in February, I had the worst news. She wants to go immediately to see her best friend. And they were only 14. So we went yeah. there and we spent the weekend and I didn't exactly know what they had done. I knew they had written something down, but it was put away in the hope that we'd never need to look at it. So on Boxing Day of 2017, I messaged- Which is the day after um, Christmas, right? That's right, that's right. That,
1: okay. uh, that is not a, the, not a holiday that is celebrated oh, here in the United States. So,
2: right. but I'm, like, I'm pretty sorry. sure that's
1: the day after Christmas. Yes,
2: <laughs> that's right. It's the day after. And I messaged her best friend's mom. And I said, I think I need those bits of paper now. And she said, it's four bits of A4 and they've written stuff down. So she, I've never actually seen the bits of paper because I want Emma to keep them because that's a special yeah. moment way that they had. Uh, I just got photos of it. On so day, I'm sitting reading all the wishes that Abby had put down with Emma. And I chuckled at some of them because she said she wanted a cheer display and her celebration of life. She wanted us all to do speeches. She wanted us to go here and do this. She wanted the teas and coffees in this, this place. And she wanted us to use this special photo on her leaflet.
1: She had her entire celebration of life planned.
2: Yeah, everything was planned. Exactly what we would do. And she said, I want you to set up my own charity. It's called Abby's Sparkle Foundation. And they created the logo. They sat Aww. down and they did a, yeah, Abby Sparkle Foundation and so, if I you're watching the it.
1: video, you can see that she's wearing a shirt with the logo right on it, the yeah. Sparkle Foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And she said, raise money, this is what we use as her cute words, money towards hospitals and stuff. Okay. That's what she said to do. Yeah. So, she obviously, during her cancer treatment, had had help from other charities to yeah. buy her Louis Vuitton stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd had free holidays uh, in, in Scotland. So she'd had uh, money gifted to her to be able to do shopping because that was one of her favourite things, I think I forgot to say. I was her um, shopping assistant Anytime we went anywhere carrying all the, the stuff that she wanted to try on. Loved shopping. So she knew that this was helpful to her. So we thought, OK, we will support children affected by cancer age 18 and under because Cameron was 18 at the time. So I thought that includes siblings and basically from box that day after christmas basically went and googled how to set up a charity uh-huh. and there's a an organization in scotland the scvo and it gives you the steps about eight steps and we just followed the steps and it took three months to get legally set up because it's like setting up a business um so in the march the 12th we were registered as a an Abbey's charity which was great to be able to achieve but up until that point we'd all already raised over ten thousand pounds, pounds obviously, uh, mm-hmm. in Britain. And we thought, really, well, maybe our goal is to raise ten thousand in the year. We didn't really, well obviously we just started off. Right. You know what we were going to be doing. But with Abby's Celebration of Life and all the donations there, and everybody that wanted to immediately give us donations because they heard that Abby had set up her own charity and they wanted to support it. And right. the fact that you know she sat down age 14 and told us to do this, uh, again, Abby's always the boss. I feel her with me telling me this is maybe the right way to do it. Maybe that's not the right way to do it. It has to be, I'll be perfect. Uh, well, we try our best to. Yeah, so we we now give children gifts. A spa- we call them a sparkles, these yeah. gifts and grants. So a sparkle can range from a £50 superhero doll that a three-year-old girl wanted to take into hospital to give her the confidence with the doctors and nurses. Um, she wanted two of these dolls the least we've ever spent in a sparkle and it meant so much. I use it as an example of saying, you know, a sparkle can be something so simple, but it means a lot to the child. So it's all yeah. individual, something they maybe need as a treat or something that is practical for them, maybe with schoolwork or to help with their recovery. Lots of phones and iPads and laptops and gaming equipment uh, to distract mm-hmm. them or keep them in touch with their peers. Um, and then the biggest uh, sparkle that we've given is 3,500, which was to a holiday long weekend to Disneyland Paris. So that's the other extreme of what it can be. But, wow. you know, the family can apply, but mostly through the social workers, their support systems that help them to get the support that's out there. So the social workers usually apply and then we, we organise the support that way. But within the first year, Amazingly, we raised over £100,000 with Abby's inspiration and our community's wow. generous support. So, we were able to buy a holiday home caravan in Aviemore, which is in the Cairngorms National Park, which is a beautiful area of Scotland and one of Abby's favourite places. And so, we now can have families in there for free holidays. Uh, and there's so much to do in Aviemore in the summer and the winter. So, um, that's Abby's Sparkle Lodge.
1: Wow. That's yeah. amazing that's
2: amazing, yeah, so up till now we this year we have managed to um over the five years with the amazing support that we've had we've raised half a million pounds half and million pounds, we have helped yeah. over one thousand half a million pounds we can't believe it because we set out to raise ten thousand in the first year yeah. and we've helped over one thousand two hundred children, oh so my well abby has abby's inspiration we always say it's i, I work for abby right It's abby's right. inspiration and this is what we we're able to achieve in her her memory and uh, her honor and because she told us to right right
1: because she told yeah. you to she listed exactly yeah. what she wanted to do
2: i know it's incredible and it blows me away and it's just the most special part of abby's story when we talk about abby's challenge to be able to tell people that And when they know a 14 year old girl has sat, you know, sat down and written that down at her worst time when she was thinking of other people. uh, It's quite incredible. That's, that's, that's our, that's Abby's story.
1: Yeah. You know, I want to go back a little bit to that weekend. So you, had you just gotten the news that, that things were terminal for her? Is that what had happened?
2: We never used those sorts of words. Again, uh, you've got to try and keep hope. I used to say right. to the doctors, "Hope hopes as strong as chemo." Abby didn't like hospitals. She didn't like doctors. She didn't like speaking about anything, which was quite difficult for me, as you can imagine, in your position when you've got a parent that's doing the communicating for a teenage child. Yeah. Um, but Abby just—it was her way of coping. She didn't want to speak about it. She didn't want to hear anything from them. She only wanted to hear it from me. Um, again, yeah. the do- thats why. The, yeah, that's why the doctor said we learned a lot from Abby because. didn't realize she knew as much because she wrote all these plans down so she did she wasn't ignoring it it wasn't like it wasn't happening she puts it down in case but she decided to live her life differently yeah so me being the one that always had to have the conversations with her I did have to have that conversation and I just said the doctors say there isn't anything more that we can do but it's not that I don't believe them I just want to you to carry on getting up and being amazing every day just like you have done let's just keep going and she yeah she said um obviously that was a very traumatic conversation yeah and she got upset i got upset and then she said i want to go and see emma
1: right and emma was not living close by at the time then or she was
2: dead 15 minutes away
1: oh okay okay
2: yeah but she spent like
1: a whole day with her it sounds like
2: oh they would say that she was their uh, third daughter. She oh. <laughs> she always wanted to be at Emma's as much as she wanted to be here. I, I said to Abby one time, I think I should adopt Emma. And she said, no. I said, oh, OK, then you do like being here just with me. So she wanted to be with Emma so much. Um, Emma was a great, great support to her. She's part of Abby's charity now, a big part, which yeah. is great. Great for us because we know she knows what Abby wanted and that she was there when this was formed. Uh, so, yeah, she, we went and spent the whole weekend there, but she spent many weekends there. I had yeah. to say sometimes, right, only one night sleepover, not two, because I want to see you as well. But, um, no, we went away. It was uh, Emma, Abby, Emma's mum, Christine and me. We went and did the the holidays that Abby was treated on. Emma got to come to if it was a nice lodge to go to. We went to a big uh, Centre Park's treehouse, She was treated to uh, down near London. We all went to that. So we did lots, all the nice things we did together. The other stuff Abby wanted to just do with me. So, uh, yeah, so that's what she did. That's how she took it. She thought, I'm going to write all these things down because if this does happen, this is, I want, I call it a gift. It's a gift from Abby to write all that down so that we knew we could do it right. Um, Right. I'm a nurse now, but I was a midwife. And uh, I remember saying to the undertaker, we're at the opposite ends of the job. I yeah. I spent so much time with women bringing their children into the world and, and you're doing the other side, but both of them are so important because you can't do them again. Yeah, um, right. You know, you'd say, you've got, got to get this right as much as you can. And imagine if Abby hadn't written down all those wishes. How do you think your 15-year-old child would have wanted? Well, know. you know, you've, you've had to do that as well. Yeah. I see it as a gift, a gift from Abby that she kept us right as she always has done still does
1: right so I wouldn't mind talking about Emma a little bit so how she has been involved and just even that day when she shared all of that with you you know what I mean
2: Mm -hmm. you know there's some things I've never had a conversation with Emma to say how did that conversation go because it's just it's too much for me right Um, Right. I I just can't put myself in that moment when they were having that conversation and I also see it as really private and I I have never asked her if she's told anybody else yeah because what a moment the two of them sitting doing that I mean it's hard to imagine um so I've never asked her how the conversation went I was downstairs with her mum Abby and Emma were upstairs in the bedroom as they always were just doing their thing
1: but you knew it had happened right because
2: Abby told you it happened no no Abby never said I think Emma must have told Christine and Christine must have told me okay I was um, like because you
1: knew about the papers you knew they existed yeah
2: I I knew they did something but again nobody wanted to ever think we needed to use them yeah so I just knew that they were doing something to be honest and I, I'm not sure how much I'm saying here that even my parents don't know but when we had that conversation she immediately said I want to plan my own funeral really? and of course yes and that really, really upset me, of course. And I was like, okay. But she could see what it was doing to me. So
1: so that's why she did it with Emma. Mm-hmm. Because she knew it would hurt you too much. What a girl. What a girl.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she did a lot. I just am yeah. blown away by it, actually.
2: I know. That's amazing. People think 13, 14-year-olds wouldn't be able to do that. And I know the doctors thought that she was... Sort of in denial and she just wasn't she was just doing it her way and the way that she felt she could cope best yeah and that's how we did everything as much as we could because as you know a child in cancer treatment has a very little control
1: oh yeah yeah
2: yeah they feel like they have no so, control
1: over anything so if they can have some
2: yeah and they lose so much of their norm- normal life and um, so if they can have some control over i'm maybe not coming that day or no i don't want my scan then as things went on abby had more control and more say because we didn't feel it was going to make a huge amount of difference it was more important for her to have control and to have say and that would give her a feeling of power and and hope and that she was doing something and and we knew she was doing it the way she wanted and then and you know i was never so glad that i'd done nursing and at least i could communicate with the consultants and be on the ward rounds and understand if I wasn't a nurse, maybe I wouldn't have felt so able to do that.
1: Right. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think it's really hard to be a good advocate for your child when they're going through all of that. But if you have a little bit of knowledge of the system in some ways, I think yeah. it can help a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think so. An understanding of really how it works and also having the confidence to speak up for her, which you had to do all the time yeah
1: why don't we talk now about your personal grief journey and what that's sort of been like we talked about the charity but let's talk about you and your grief
2: you know I wanted to tell you a wee story because I know when when mums talk it's nice to have a wee story like, yeah. sort of about a situation or about your child and I remember within the first couple of days <laughs> either being in my onesie or my dressing gown going about with Abby's tablet box in my pocket mm-hmm. because I was nurse, you know, I was mom, nurse, uh, best friend, uh, shopper, I was everything. Yeah. And I just felt lost with this tablet box because I yeah. had no, you know, I'd, I had the schedules in my head. I knew what she had to take when If she went to Emma's for a sleepover, I'd be texting her saying, take that one now, remember? Remember, and I they had them numbered, take number three. And she did, I mean, the amount of tablets she had to take, as you can imagine, she was great with them. All in one go. But she could go for a sleepover to Emma's and know what she was doing with it. And side effects, difficult, difficult side effects. So that was always in my head. Um, I kept a diary of everything, the treatments that she was on, uh, side effects, all her tablets. And I was still keeping it on Christmas morning. Um, I don't want to go into too much about Christmas morning, but I will say that we were all opening our Christmas presents. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, That's amazing. Amazing. Abby was and is so I was still keeping a diary and again I, I've i never said to really anybody I won't go into this but she said something to me so it was quite an amazing she was amazing right right till Christmas morning but I was keeping this diary so I, maybe just a nursery sort of thing I know you like to have your organisation and you know, yeah. keeping notes of things and, and that's, that was just life every day was what's Abby's treatment um, what we're doing? What's we doing with our drugs? So I was lost, yeah. Right away, you're in your grief, huge, huge amount of traumatic grief, and you've, you've no, I'm not a carer anymore. Right. So I was just so weird. I just didn't want to let go of this tablet box in my pocket. Yeah. But as I say, I threw myself into setting up Abby's charity, like she told me to do right away, and that's why I think it's a huge gift, and I know. People, my family, friends, people will say I do too much. Yeah. Um, they, prob- they probably say it to you too, and and that is a it is a coping thing. <laughs> it is yeah. a coping thing, but also I get comfort out of doing something positive in Abby's memory. Yeah. Um, and right from the start, I remember the the community palliative care nurses who, again, part of the story that people probably don't know is that we never had anybody in to help, uh, because Abby was so well. The district nurses came one day and they said, can we see her? And I said, no, because she won't want to see you. <laughs> and then and they didn't come back and that was that. We had an amazing general practitioner who was amazing and came on Christmas Day, which just a terrible thing for him to have to do. But as I say, we just did it as a family. I'm really, really grateful that we were able to do that. So we never had any of the palliative care nurses, anything like that. In. And they came and I think she came back maybe a couple of months later because uh, I phoned her about something just to discuss just just how other people were reacting really and I said I know this can't be fixed so I don't want anybody to try and fix me and I know I'm going f- to th- this is how it is and I can't change that so I just so I've accepted that and I need to do something positive Abby's told me to do this and that's how I'm going to do it if I'm either you make the decision are you going to stay here in this earth or are you not if you've made the decision to stay do something positive so that i can help other people uh, which again yeah the gift from abby and she's so we had about an hour's conversation and she said well you've got a lot of awareness and you're not harming yourself and away she went and never came back and that was it <laughs> <laughs> so that was that so i just thought okay let's get on with it then there's obviously a lot to do to set up abby's charity so that's what we did and during Abby's treatment of four years and four months, I had to stop being a midwife, which is a job. I always said it's the second best job in the world because being a mum's the first best mm-hmm. job in the world. And I love being a midwife at my local hospital here. But as you'll know, with registrations, I lost my registrations. Okay. So I had to, I had to retrain and I had to decide what I was going to do. So I decided to go back in nursing because I felt that I should do something cancer-related and I felt I couldn't go back to do my midwifery job that I was doing before so I went I I don't know it'll be totally different in in Britain but you do a three-month course that is like the third year of a student nurse so as well setting up Abby's charity so I was really really busy so I got my registration back and I ended up in a neonatal unit back with babies because I that's what I wanted to do rather than the oncology I thought the cancer side is Abby's charity and the baby side and neonatal unit is what I'm used to and what I like so I do yeah. that very part-time now because I'm busy with Abby's charity but really I just stuck my head into that for well, a good couple of years really this year no well this year but in January now last year at the beginning of the year I thought that I to do a bit more It wasn't I wasn't keeping fit I mean I, I started running and so I decided I wanted to go back to the gym and do Uh some exercise so doing something different and more for me and more of a social thing by getting out in the evening because I could be sitting with emails a bit too long yeah and really last year's the first time I've kind of thought about that and started to try and do things that are a bit different and do a bit more self-care and also listening to you and Gwen about your self-care and I know none of us are very good with it but you have to make, you have to make a concerted effort for that, don't you? You have to really be, I'm at, I feel very active with my grief. And, you know, I searched out your podcast and listened to it all to catch up. And then every week I listen to it. Like I said to you, I feel like it's my tribe. I get to <laughs> be with my tribe for an, an hour every week. And that it does really help. I love listening to it in the car and the way it work. Um, So I I always do that and I look at other, um, I read quite a bit, I did read quite a bit about grief to kind of educate myself about it in the beginning. And I do things, me and Abby were very different about things that we liked. So I like live music gigs, she didn't like that. I like sports, I like watching tennis and rugby, she didn't like that. So I find that easier to do. Some people like to do things that their child liked to do and I'm the opposite of that. I find that too hard like yeah. I won't go to a movie that's the third Mamma Mia or if Abby didn't see it right or the right. greatest showman Abby didn't see it so I don't you know and people think oh, that's a bit strange or well, that's not right or Abby wouldn't want you to do that but actually I feel Abby probably would want me to do that so that's what I need to do yeah because <laughs> Abby was a bit like that she was saying no I don't think you should go and see that movie but you can go and do your live gig that I didn't like to do and be in the rain and camp and stuff (laughs) Um, and you know so that's the kind of stuff I do not not a lot I spend a lot of time at home doing Abby's stuff yeah Uh, I've got two dogs well one one dog's mine and one's Abby's her lab Sky so they're they're great company and um, I have to look after them and then Cameron gets to come home at Christmas once a year or we go down and see him, he lives in Luthbera, and he competes, so I love to see him compete, Um, he competes abroad, So sometimes we get treated to a holiday in Portugal and things, and not treated, but we're able to go watch him compete, and to see him doing stuff that makes him happy, and that that he's achieving his dreams, that's great, you know, that's part of self-care as well. Yeah, for me yeah absolutely yeah I'm sure Abby yeah.
1: loved watching him too huh did she like all oh
2: there's a photo of we say number one fan and she's got you know finger and the thumb when the yeah. fans and the yeah. number one fan well I mean this was in the November before she passed away in the December and I had to drive her all the way down to it was Nottingham and again you know she didn't keep the best uh, I just said uh, you know she wants to go and see him we'll go in the car it's a long journey off we go and she got to see him compete and she got to be on the telly because there was interviewers there interviewing um, some well-known athletes in the back just the thing <laughs> and our, Emma, Emma saw her on the telly and we've got great <laughs> photos of her and Cameron, uh, her number one fan so afterwards she used to do double thumbs up and he got that onto one of his tri suits and it was double thumbs up and oh. he also used a hashtag STP, which was Secret Training Partner. Yeah, oh, I'm scared to so lose the phone, but we've all got we've obviously got Abby's charity bands. They're pink, and it's Abby Sparkle Foundation. And Cameron wears one, and he wears wears them to train if he can. He can't always wear them to race because he's not allowed to. But um, Abby's dad wears one, and you know, family and friends. Emma keeps her original one and puts another one on when it, the words run out. And, yeah, we all keep Abby very close very close to our hearts and it's uh it's amazing to have the support of family and friends and to still have emma you know
1: yeah so she's still a part of your life too your lives yeah so what does she do now for the charity is it uni
2: <laughs> yeah emma's at uni doing uh accounting so she's now treasurer
1: mm-hmm
2: She started off as a trustee, uh, started off as an ambassador, then a trustee and now treasurer and Cameron's chairman. So that's her brother's chairman. Her dad's a trustee um, and her nana and her granny. We call them Sparkle Nana and Sparkle Granny and they're (laughs) ambassadors and they do their own coffee mornings and soups and sweets. And, um, you know, we have some big fundraisers like Cameron ran up and down Ben Nevis, which is the, the biggest mountain in the UK. He ran up and down it tried to beat the record, you didn't quite beat it, you equaled it. You did it in October in the snow. So we have big fundraisers like that. Um, We had family climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro, but we also have uh, granny and nana doing a coffee morning and a soup and sweet in the local where I was brought up, uh, you know, and all the support from the community there. So it's a wide range of things that we do for fundraising. We try to do about five things, but the community... know we could have 45 50 fundraisers going on it is amazing and it's amazing because every day i get to speak about abby see her name wow that's um, beautiful you know and be able to do that yeah i've got to say i was thinking about you i was thinking about you and how you do this and I think people think that I see all the families and I speak to all the families but I I don't it's mostly through email with the social workers or an email with the family to say here's here's what's happening with the gift it's arriving or this is what's happening I don't do any emotional support yeah and yeah and that's quite a big thing you know if you're not on your best day and you're still doing this and yeah at this time of year and it's, well, and I think too, it's
1: different for you too because of who you are working with. So you are working with families whose children are still alive, mm-hmm. and you know those parents. Honestly, they desperately don't want to be you, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. They do not when I was you. going to, yeah. No. And so
1: to, I mean, you don't want to put that on them either about you no doing. You know, having a real personal conversation with them. Because no. it does make it more real for them in some ways. Like Oh, yes. I, I was thinking exactly. about you and having Abby be sick for so long. And I think about this with a lot of kids that I know that are sick for a long time. Is they just keep going and keep going and keep going. That you start to almost forget that, wow, this could just end. Because they... They keep like, they keep. you keep yeah. thinking they're not going to make it. And yet she still wakes up every day for four years. She's still waking yeah. up every day.
2: Yeah. So it's it's hard. I We think. never, you know, we never, I mean, ne- it's not that we didn't know any possibility, but you can't live your life like that. No, you can't. Every day you had to get up and, and she was doing the best life. So I was there to support her. And I said, 100%, I'll be, I'm here for whatever you want to do if there's yeah. times she was with Emma and then I had time to maybe do something fair enough but otherwise I was she knew I was there 100% to do this with her and to if she wanted to try and then we would do it but she just decided what we would do mm-hmm. and we tried to get the nicest best sort of opportunities for her and she just wanted to carry on doing that so on a daily basis you can't live your life thinking today is the last day right you just, you just couldn't um I, I mean I mean, sometimes now, five years down this journey, I look back and I think, how did Abby do it? Yeah, right. How did she do it? You know, how did how was she so amazing dealing with what she was dealing with? She, she wasn't, Abby was switched on to what she wanted to be yeah, switched on knew. to. She, yeah, yeah. So how did she do it? You know, sometimes as bereaved parents, we don't want to get out of our beds yeah and right. um, it's a, an extra difficult day and we're struggling and we don't want to see anybody or we don't want to leave the house and she wanted to go to school and she went to cheerleading and she saw all these people and you know how hard it is to see people sometimes how we feel and and there's some things I remember Abby what she said and I, I get it more now yeah you know when you some there's bad news and you say well we can go and do this or we can go and do that and at age 12 or maybe even 11 she was like trying to make it sound better age 11 she was telling me that I-, I know now I was wrong it's like people trying to tell us look just let's go and do something really great and you're going to feel fine right. <laughs> uh, right no I don't find just now and that's actually going to make me feel worse just sit with me and let's be a bit sad right. and that's what she wanted and she was 11 and she told me that and now I think oh my goodness you know she taught me so much she, her strength wow her dignity and her privacy she really wanted her privacy so there's so many people were really shocked because they didn't realize how unwell abby was i think some people thought she was cured yeah right they didn't know she was so private and and also and you know about confidentiality and privacy with families this is how we do it for the families because we know that's what abby wanted we'd never ask for a photo we don't show photos of Kids with NG tubes or no hair or in hospital. If a parent sends us a photo and it's on their Facebook and they are sharing it anyway, we say, "Is it okay to put that on Abby's page and show the gift you got?" Um, That's okay, but we never ask for it because Abby would say, "Okay, I don't want the help." Then if you want the photo, so we never do that because I know you know you want to be so private, you want to be able to just. She just, you know, I used to say to the doctors, "It's not all about going to Disneyland. Sometimes it's just about normality." just want to be able to leave the house so if you're going to give us a treatment that we can't leave the house is that going to be any good um she just wants to go to school and go to cheerleading yeah oh me i mean i just
1: go back to the fact that she was you know still doing cheerleading three weeks before she died you know she was a very very sick girl and was flying through the yeah
2: yeah in the december by the time it got to the november december her squad made her a special chair because she coached as well so she was able to coach so they gave her a chair to make her more comfortable and she could sit down and coach and she said to me you know when I wasn't comfortable in the chair they gave me they made her a sort of bed out of mat yeah so she was able to go
1: a lot of people caring for her
2: do you know I started off saying I wanted to tell you that special story and I never told you so I'll have to tell you I can even show you the photo of it but that very first day I that well two days I think it was and I was going about my dressing gown in the medicine box and I and I was really upset and I said Abby I just don't know how I'm gonna do this. Yeah. I was looking at all her special stuff and I said I just don't know how I'm gonna do this without you physically here. And I looked down on the ground and there was a snowflake gift card, you know a Christmas gift card.
1: Uh-huh
2: and it said and it was face up with what Abby had written on it. And she said, I'll help you mum Oh, oh! Now, I'd remembered seeing this gift card in the hall a few weeks before. It was one from the year before. And it was because I loved these Thornton's chocolates. She always said, you're the hardest person to buy a gift for. I said, I'm not. I just want champagne and chocolates. (laughs) She wanted to go better than that. So she had to buy the most expensive Moe. And she'd buy as many Thornton's chocolates as she could. And so because she bought several boxes of Thornton's chocolates she put on it i'll help you mum, because she thought there was a lot of chocolates on it so that's where the um, gift card came from but how it got to at my feet at that moment in time i have no idea here so my sister actually got this made for me and she she, she got it embroidered can you see it
1: yeah it's a beautiful snowflake oh and it says, yeah, so it's uh it's i'm So i'm having a hard time but i bet it says i what is oh i'll help
2: you i'll, Mom. I'll help um, you mum. love abby Oh. So it's in a sparkly frame and I keep it here to remind me that she said she would help me when I felt I couldn't do it.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. It's been just lovely to talk with you and to learn about Abby and to hear about what an amazing kid she's been. Um, so anything so, else no, you Marcy. Really want to say parting
2: to people? Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you because there's sometimes I think, oh, what if Marcy stopped doing this? <laughs> oh. Because I really look forward to your chats every week. I really do. So I want to thank you for doing that. And I want to thank um, everybody that's helped us as a family yeah. and supported Abbey Sparkle Foundation because we need that support. So, yeah.
1: Right. And how can people find out more about Abbey Sparkle Foundation? What's I'm sure you've got a website
2: yes we do we have all the social medias uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and we have the website at www.abiesparklefoundation.org
1: www.abiesparklefoundation.org beautiful well thank you again and it's really been amazing to talk with you
2: thank you Marcy two and a half years I've been waiting but, to get the right time but thank you for having me today Really I think appreciate it was it. the right time today yeah yeah thank you take care <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.